0: All right, on this episode, we are going to talk about uh, builder and subcontractor contracts and also uh, the back charge process. How old are you going to be before you start to experience life like you want it? I want to tell you right now, whether you like it or not, there is a better way to do business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Business for Builders podcast. Welcome to you if you're in YouTube land. Uh, My name's Max, CEO of Smith & Sons Remodeling Experts in Canada. Um, As usual, uh, we want to bring you value. Uh, We would love it if you'd like and subscribe, all that sort of good stuff. Certainly leave any comments below uh, or any questions. And uh, as far as questions go, uh, specifically related to your situation perhaps, I would love to get an email from you. Uh, you can email me directly at max at businessforbuilders.ca. That'll be on the screen, um, and we will uh, get back to you as promptly as we can. All right, on this episode, we are going to talk about uh, builder and subcontractor contracts and also uh, the back charge process. So um, to give you a bit of a bit of background Um, For me as a carpenter, I've only been backcharged once or twice in my whole career uh, as a subcontract carpenter, uh, and it wasn't pleasant. Uh, It was quite brutal, actually. And what I recall, how I recall, of course, it's on my side of the fence. I thought it was fairly uh, unfair. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, it is part of the industry. And so uh, I would say that a lot of my group or a lot of the audience that I'm talking to right now are general contractors, but there could be a fair share of subcontractors out there as well and I you know I think that as a as a qualified uh, or you know as a carpenter by trade and a qualified builder I've sort of seen it from both ways like I just alluded to you know I've been working for some major corporate uh, building companies that would do uh, in excess of a thousand homes a year and they are extremely strict and brutal in their assessment and their execution of anything that they would wish to do so it was up to me to keep a very uh, to keep my nose clean and make sure all my eyes were dotted, and my t's were crossed. A uh, big part of that too, just just to sort of get things started before we jump into this. Um, you know, it was that time, and it's amazing how your experiences. You know, like I say, you're the sum total of all the, the experiences and the decisions that you've made. And and I like to you know look back on my career so far and think there's a lot of things that I did as an as an operator or as a practitioner. Um, not so much on the uh, hands-on side, but certainly on the business side, which I I took a shine to a lot of these big corporates and how they would issue documentation and paperwork and their processes and things like that. So a lot of what I talk about today, and this will be one of them, uh, is it it really, there is definitely, uh, you know, a significant amount of personal experience involved. Um, You know, something that I won't talk about today is is purchase orders. I remember having 15 guys and, you know, we we were working somewhere between Casarina Beach which is in New South Wales right up as far north as as Sunshine Coast uh and then out you know to to the western suburbs uh of Brisbane and I would not um I would not deploy a single asset or or uh you know um a crew without having a purchase order so and the reason that that became the case is because they were enforcing the laws like if you don't have a purchase order you don't get paid so you soon you soon figured out that well if I'm you know I'm not going to go and do this work for free so I've got to make sure I've got a piece of paper or I've got something in my inbox uh, that is reflective of the the scope that I'm going to go and do and of course the cost now uh, that's that's a probably another podcast where I talk about uh, the power of purchase orders uh, for a bunch of reasons. Um, but it was, you know, the, the probably the the major thing that I I sort of cottoned onto early on, and then of course I had some ne- negative experiences as it relates to to back charge. And look, ultimately, something I did uh, wasn't, you know, uh, acceptable in the eyes of that building company. And so, in the case of a back charge, you know, I had to cop it sweet. And uh, and of course, you learn from that, you know. So, like I said, out of a twenty something, a twenty year career as just a framing or a you know a, a carpentry uh, contractor. Um, that's not a bad strike rate. Uh, And certainly at that point, I wasn't even aware of the word backcharge. So you might be in a similar position. You know, I might be talking to you this morning and you're like, what what the hell does that mean? So essentially what it means is, um, and of course this came up um, this week, one of my my general contractors just approached me about, hey, how do we execute a backcharge within our uh, job management software? And of course we use BuildExact. You can check out buildexact.ca, Uh, If you're in Canada, it'll be .com. If you're in in the states, and it'll be .com .au. If you're in Australia, I'm not sure what it is in New Zealand. Something similar, however, Um, just Google it. Um, And he sort of said to me, "Look, there's no button to press. You know, there's nothing. There's no. There's no part of. um, There's no part of Bill Exact that enables us to go and execute a back charge." And so the conversation got started, where you know, and this is why a back charge and your builder subcontractor. So let's say I'm going to be talking from a builder standpoint, right? So if you're a subby subcontractor, you can kind of figure out, you know, who's who in the zoo. Um, And so, you know, really what it came down to was that it wasn't just a case of going in and applying a back charge to the, the, let's call it subcontractor number one, who actually uh, had two goes at doing this job and, uh, and failed both times. And then the client didn't want that, that uh, subcontractor on site. So my general contractor was actually forced to go and, you know, find another, uh, another, another third party subcontractor to do the work. Um, And so a couple of things um, it's, it's not just a case of generating a purchase order or a back charge. It's, it's actually more of a combined process. However, what precedes that is that you've got to tread very carefully because, Um, In most cases, you're not going to be able to, unless you get this, unless the subcontractor comes to you cap in hand and says, yes, I made an error. Yes, I accept that, you know, it could have been done better. And I understand you don't want me on the side again. Um, I'm basically, uh, you know, uh, happy to pay for whatever it costs, which is hard. Um, Unless you get that kind of, um, you know, acceptance out of a subcontractor, uh, you would want to be careful that you don't can't try and execute or deploy uh, the, the back charge process without having a builder and subcontractor agreement. Now, uh, no matter where you are, uh, for the most part, you know, particularly North America, um, you know, or down under, um, you, you're going to have some building associations. Like here in Canada, we have the Canadian Home Builders Association, uh, and we're we're a part of that association. Members, <clears throat> and um, there's all kinds of documentation that you can get from. Uh, that association. And one of those is what I've got here. I've got a whole pad. And of course, if you're on podcast, you can't see that, but it's a whole pad of builder and subcontractor agreement. Now, um, if you're a member and that probably membership is going to cost you somewhere between 1100 bucks and 1400 bucks a year. And you might go, wow, that's, that's uh, crazy. I'm not doing that. And I, I, I get that. Uh, I was definitely a part of two associations uh, back home. Um, and you know, I enjoyed that association because of some of the the leverage and, and some of the information that it gave me. Matter of fact, a lot of the courses that I did was through master builders, uh, including getting my builder's license. So, um, you know, the builder and subcontractor agreement must spell out, um, obviously a whole range of things, but you know, today we're talking about backcharging. So <clears throat> you, you need to be careful. And I would need to actually read because I don't know if there's a clause in this, uh, Canadian Home Builders Association Builder and Subcontract Agreement that actually outlines the backcharge process. Uh, so um, you would need to pay attention to the detail and ensure that <clears throat> there is the process, the process is outlined. And I think a couple of things, two major things as it relates to backcharge, uh, which should be reflected in your T's and C's or your terms and conditions in your subcontractor and builder agreement, and that is uh, talking about uh, the communication, you know, how to, how it's communicated um, and then, of course, the you know the documentation. So those two things have got to be um, really supremely uh, adhered to to ensure that there is not a uh, there is no discrepancies and there's no arguments. So if it's not in writing, and I've said this before, it doesn't exist. If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. The same thing. You want to pay particular attention to uh, uh, you know items along the way that can support the reasons. For which you had to engage a, let's say, a third-party subcontractor to remedy the first person's work. Okay. Now, uh, even before that, what you're going to need to do, and so I'm, I'm going in reverse. Sorry about that. Um, you're going to need to make sure that you have, uh, and this is where we talk about it's communication and documentation. Those two things are most important. So you've got to communicate initially if the work is not up, you know, is below standard. Um, you, you've got to give them appropriate notification and time to cure. And then, of course, uh, you know, if they accept the fact that there is a, uh, a fault and that there is rectifi- rectification work required, uh, then you've got to now, you know, work with them in that process. So if there was some level of demolition, matter of fact, something's just come to mind where we had a situation with a shower base and there was a bit of a squeak in the shower base, so tiles had to be pulled off walls, shower base had to be, um, you know, pulled up and it ended up being a manufacturer's defect um, but the whole way through that, uh, because we had to, um, we had to uh, backcharge the manufacturer, and of course, manufacturers, corporate companies, are going to be a little bit tricky to get money out of. Um, they, you need. we needed to document that process and we did. So we took video of the client actually stepping in the shower base and the thing was squeaking. We're like, okay. So then we we, we videoed the tiles being pulled off the wall and then, you know, obviously the protection in the shower base to make sure it didn't get damaged. Uh, and then we went back in there and it's still squeaking. Uh, and then we were able to actually, you know, lift it off. And and uh, as we lifted it, we were able to document the whole process. So um, the manufacturer was never going to rectify that situation um, we're, we're talking more about subbies but that was just an example that just come to mind is that you, you need to be meticulous in your communication and you need to be meticulous in your documentation and any any records that you can generate in the way of pictures or videos or things like that so going back to uh, subcontractor you've got to give them uh, good notification several notices you can't just sort of go well I called you and you didn't pick up so I went ahead that's not good enough um, you've got to have uh, correspondence and backwards and forwards about the situation now th- simultaneously, what you're going to have to juggle is probably a pissed off client. So the instance that happened to us this week, you know, the client made it very clear that that, that subcontractor was not welcome back on that job. So here you have a situation firstly where the client's not happy um, or you're not happy as a general contract because the work is defective. Now you've got to go and juggle this, this uh, back charge process Including notification documentation, but then then the client's going to be like, okay, so what's up? Why are we why are we pulling out the the, the tiled shower base or or whatever the case may be? Now they're concerned about the quality of the work. So, uh, you know, this is a this is a multifaceted uh, complication within your business, and it's fair to say that it you know this I don't know that I've had in the in the last four years. I don't know that any of my GCs have really pursued a back charge i mean if they have i don't know about it this is the first one that really you know was up in my grill and it's like max this is what we've got to do um normally they handle it and so i hope hopefully they're handling it appropriately but i will be sure to uh, chat with all of them about that um but on this episode we want to make sure that you understand that good open honest communication uh you know give give the the, the appropriate notification and time to cure uh if it's gone beyond that let's say they've had two cracks at it then you know either you or end or the client are going to say, look, this this guy or gal is not cutting it. We've got to get somebody else. Now, so essentially, what I would do, like I explained with the manufacturer's defect on that that fiberglass shower base, I would um, I would I would document the process, and I think you really need to make it abundantly clear to the contractor or the subcontractor that's created this uh, as created this defect. Um, and you're going to do that via, you know, initially um, probably taking photos of how it was before you started the demolition uh, and then the demolition phase and then, you know, back through the uh, the reconstruction phase. So, um, I, you know, you really have to ensure that you marry up those two processes. A, if you're a general contractor and a builder right now and you don't have some sort of subcontractor builder agreement, uh, you're flying blind. We had another situation with a uh, with a countertop supply with one of our guys, and uh, <clears throat> there was a a connection, a waterline connection that wasn't wasn't uh, whether there was no thread tape used, and there was no uh, it wasn't it was just done up finger tight. So, of course, when the water pressure gets turned back on again, that created a very slow trickle, which ended up in the basement ceiling and amongst a bulkhead, and of course, it had to be stripped out. So, uh, that ended up an insurance job. But if there is no builder subcontract agreement in place, um, you are you are really uh, flying a little bit blind. Even if you have a good back charge back charge process, you're going to uh, you're going to come under fire potentially if the the subcontractor uh, understands you know the power of uh, the the synergy between the the, the actual builder subcontract agreement and a back charge process. Uh, you leave yourself vulnerable if you're a general contractor if you don't have that in place because you've got no agreement as such, uh, and more specifically, you, they you know there's no understanding that there is a, a back charge process um, for you know work that needs rectification. So, like I said, you've got to maintain good communication, document the whole process, uh, both you know as it as it is. Uh, and certainly uh, in the in the deconstruction and the re uh, reconstruction process in the rectification process, because I think what you've got to keep in mind is that um, you know ultimately, if 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 the worst case scenario, let's say it was you know south of five thousand dollars, the monies that the the uh, our initial subcontractor feels they're owed, that will go to small claims um, or some sort of tribunal in your area, in your city, uh, or in your your state or province, and. The documentation that you will wish you had will be a subcontractor agreement, um, as as the builder that you have with your subcontractors that outlines the backcharge process. That's part one, and then part two will be the fact that you actually do have a you know a backcharge process that you can rely on that the uh, subcontractor is familiar with. And that you also have fulfilled your obligations as it relates to uh, initial notification, open honest communication, uh, time to cure, <clears throat> and then of course, if you end up having to assume the role of the correction, then uh, you document that whole process as well. Um, so to button this all up, let's say you've had a, um, you know, a subcontractor who cap in hand said, "Yep, all right, I understand." Um, I want payment for some of the work that I've done, but I'm willing to accept that you know the, the balance payment will will have some of the correction labor and materials taken out of it prior to me getting paid. So that that subcontractor technically would go on standby whilst uh, you and your new subcontractor, who's going to rectify the work, comes in and takes care of it. Um, so essentially what we're going to do with, with, with subcontractor number one, basically, uh, who stepped out of the ring now and you've got the new guy or gal in there to take care of the work. Um, essentially what you're going to do is you're going to generate a purchase order for the replacement subcontractor to the, to do the rectification. Now you may be able to get a quote for that in a perfect scenario. That's kind of what you would want something you could nail down a price on. And then what you're doing now is you're building a file. Uh, you, you're going to have the purchase order that was issued to, Uh, the the new subcontractor off the back of his or her quote so that's the first component then you're going to have either you know you're going to have a bunch of pictures as it relates to the deconstruction process and then what happened going back into it Um, so that the explanation that you give to the first subcontractor um, and keep in mind you know as much as it's a monetary thing for us builders and I get it um, I, th- I think uh, you know a good level of empathy, and I talk a lot of, about empathy. We don't want to destroy the first guy. He could be a really, you know, a really uh, top individual. Um, but we, you know, there's still business as business. We've got to sort out, you know, the financial and the fiscal part of of this, you know, process. And so, what we want to do is we want to be able to demonstrate. Um, what happened? How much it cost? What perhaps that the original you know uh, subcontractor did wrong? And really, because you know he, he might you know be someone that you would actually consider engaging again on the next project, and you actually use this situation to make him better, um, and he will you know do better work next time. And so you know I don't think it needs to be a negative. I think you know if you've not had this issue where you've had a run in with a subcontractor uh, financially speaking. Um, and normally that's where it ends up, you know, there might be a discrepancy over the quality of work or whatever, but inevitably it will end up, you know, uh, you know, you'll end up fighting over over cash and payments, etc. Um, and then, of course, being aware that a back charge process and some terms and conditions should be built into that subcontracted agreement. And then you understand, you know, now how to sort of handle the relationship between uh, you and your client, and then of course you and the original subcontractor, and then obviously trying to work through the the rectification part of it as well. So look, I, I hope that's uh, it's a bit of a long winded explanation as it relates to um, builder and subcontractor agreements. You know that you can get those from your association. Um, you might want to go deeper than that, uh, which we would probably have a tendency to do here at the corporate offices with Smith and Sons, is to invest the money um, with our legal counsel, uh, give them an example perhaps of what we want, and then they can come back and once they understand you know what we're trying to achieve, they can actually help us out with a you know um, a top shelf uh, legal document, uh, and then of course included in that will be hey let's pay attention uh, to a back charge process. Can we you know we'd, I would have to talk to my legal counsel and say this is what. We're wanting to do, which essentially, I would probably give my lawyer a link to this podcast, and then he could watch that and uh, figure out, okay, this is where Max is coming from, and this is what he wants. So, um, yeah, look, I think uh, that's probably it in a nutshell. If you have got any questions on that, like I said at the beginning, Max at BusinessForBuilders.ca. Um, uh, I don't, I cannot really help you with any legal advice, so uh, I'm not a lawyer, like I said at the start. I'm a carpenter by trade and a uh, qualified builder. And uh, if you've got any, you know, you, you know, some basic questions about your situation, I'm sure I can give you some, you know, point you in a bit of a direction. But ultimately, if you've got yourself in a bit of a pickle at the moment, um, you're going to have to probably seek some, yeah, you know, some preliminary legal advice just to sort of really understand what you've got yourself into and what your options are and which way you can you can bounce with that challenge that you face. Um, but you know, seriously, you know, every part of the business that you're in, general contracting, uh, you really have to become an HR expert you 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 deal with you know all kinds of people and it's not easy and you don't win and you can't make everybody happy and it just is what it is but the 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 challenge is not getting it perfect the challenge is developing a good team over time and understanding the qualities of the humans that you're going to actually uh you know bring on to your your team whether they're a subcontractor whether they're um you know reps for suppliers uh, or whether they're, you know, employees or, or whatever. So, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's super important. This is just one little facet of your business and, you know, a challenging part of the business if you don't execute well. Uh, and I want to urge you, if you execute from a selfish standpoint, you're going to lose uh, because all it's going to do is you know end up as a tug of war, and you'll be like the the two year old who's trying to you know undo his shoelaces, and he gets a knot, and then all he does is pull on it tighter, and all of a sudden the situation just escalates and it gets worse. That's that's essentially what happens, um, which can happen if you've not got things documented. So it's very much a learning curve. Uh, it's part of the building industry. Um, embrace the challenge. Uh, you know, resistance builds muscle mass. So um, just keep doing what you're doing stay positive, positivity and optimism has got to get louder. Um, Today's a new day and uh, go build a kick-ass business. See you on the next episode. Cheers.